Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televi. And joining me this Wednesday evening are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from F&B Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send us questions, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, David, Wayne, good evening to you both. David, if I might start with you tonight. Um, the markets were a bit hmm. tentative today. Uh, and markets uh, overseas are tentative. And of course, there is the US um, interest rates um, decision shortly. But if everyone expects them to hike interest rates by 75 basis points, why is everyone tentative? <laughs> I guess is my, is my question. I think they worried that he might turn a little more hawkish because um, I think some of the data that's coming out is pointing towards uh, underlying strength, certainly in the job markets. There's still a lot of openings. There was a private payroll report today, the ADP report, which people normally ignore until it's very bullish. Then they start to get a little panicky that you're going to have the job numbers stronger than everybody wants. It's rather perverse that you want you don't want people to be employed. You know, you mm. get you get overjoyed if, uh, if job numbers are down. So I think the markets are very tentative, and this looks like it's going to be a long time getting out of it. You know, it's it's going to be a stodgy difficult market to negotiate and uh, I think that's why we're in the kind of uh, that's why we're seeing the indicate indicate sorry sentiment indicators that we are yeah Wayne I mean I, I there was a, a very interesting um, opinion piece in the FT today um, I think it was by the UB, uh, UBS's global economist which I had to sort of work my head around but he was saying that <clears throat> in his view one of the the central issues behind inflation is is companies' profit margins, not so much, you know, hectic wage um, inflation. Because, and looking at the fact that there are seemingly, um, I know there are big job openings um, compared to um, the amount of applicants applying for these jobs in, in the US. But he talked about how um, you've got possibly fewer staff in a lot of companies in the US getting paid more to do, to work harder, which um, which suggests that it, wage inflation isn't actually the huge issue. It's, and, and it's more that the inflation is in, in company profit margins, which is a much trickier thing to try and attack with interest rates. Um, so I, 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 don't know if, if, I don't know if that's of any relevance whatsoever to the discussion, but it, it was quite an, it, it made me rethink maybe, well, do we need to look at what are the, the, the inputs behind inflation and Will the Fed maybe think actually, you know, raising interest rates to the extent that we are isn't necessarily that helpful? Look, it's a very interesting argument that inflation is the change in the price of goods. So profit margins, unless you're spending at profit margin on goods, it doesn't affect it in, in inflation. So I haven't read the article, but inflation is the change in price of goods. So, you know, companies' profit margins might be up, but unless they're giving that money to people to spend, then you know, it's not it's not in its in itself inflationary, but of course, if they are paying more to fewer people, then they are getting that that inflation, and that would be in the wages number. But there's two or three points here very quickly. A recession sorts out wage inflation and profit margins rapidly, <laughs> and a recession is coming, probably mild and probably short duration, but it's coming. So that will sort out the wage inflation. Inflation is going to fall heavily next year between, I don't know, February and July sometime, or over the period February 
in July because food inflation, oil inflation, commodity price inflation actually goes negative and quite heavily negative. So inflation is going to fall rapidly next year hmm. and we're going to see interest rate cuts. It's all cyclical. Everything, inflation, interest rates, wages, food, everything is actually cyclical and they're starting to roll over. Maybe wages hasn't rolled over yet and interest rates are also cyclical. They will also go up some more, but they will also roll over. You must remember that 95% of what's happened, what happens in markets is actually cyclical. It's just that when you live it day to day and the news comes out today in a, on a daily basis and the markets react on a daily basis, you sometimes forget that all of this is cyclical. Yeah. Yes, I suppose your current uh, um, perspective on matters is, is your extrapolated view far, far into the future, which of course is kind of nonsense. Um, okay, well, I suppose that's all rather theoretical. Um, so let's maybe talk actual shares. Um, uh, before we get to some of the questions, um, just Dischem's results. You know, I, I guess you know that your stock is expensively priced when you come out with a 44% increase in earnings and your shares fall 2%. David, was that, uh, or is it just because earnings are historic and therefore people are a bit more anxious about what the future may hold? Um, or is it simply Dischem and Clicks both traded very high multiples and, and mm -hmm. anything that isn't above the price earnings multiples at which they trade is just going to result in a disappointing share price performance? I think, look, they had, they'd come out with a trading update uh, a week or two ago in which all of this was disclosed. So I don't think this was any surprise. Um, I think the, the other aspect is that uh, the comparatives were relatively low. You know, mainly because we were in a, a COVID environment and they were dragged down by testing and by uh, vaccines and so on. So I think people are a lot freer in spending more. So um, the results weren't uh, any big surprise, but they are on a, on a very good path. You know, you can't, you can't fault the numbers. Uh, the dividend was good and they are expanding, adding more stores. They're going into the baby market in a big way. So I think they're on a growth trajectory, but, yeah. but it's, they are expensive. And I, I don't know whether people have got the appetite to push harder in this market. You know, nobody wants to go into the market and start pushing up multiples. And I think that's one thing that's drawing them back. But I think as time goes by, if they keep growing, the multiples will come down. They'll be attractive again. Mm. But, but nice numbers. Yeah. I mean, Wayne, I suppose it's, you know, you look at a company like this as if you weren't invested in them, you think, oh, this, this company's growing strongly, but uh, I just don't know if I can afford to, well, if, if I should buy the shares at where they trade, and then 12 months later, you think, damn, I should have bought the shares, or, or, or maybe, the, you know, actually, we're back at where they're pretty much close to where they listed, um, at, you know, yeah. in the mid-30s. Mm. Mid I, know, I, when, I'm when so you perplexed look at, by Dischem and Clicks. Don't know what to do there. Yeah, look, I mean, this discount obviously had a quite a strong run. I don't know, the last two and a half years, year and a half, somewhere around there. Very, very strong run. You know, it's up from 18 odd bucks to the 33. But at a 34 price earnings ratio, and I know people don't quite understand what a price earnings ratio is, but a good rule of thumb is if you've got a 20 price earnings ratio, you better come up with something like 20% earnings growth. And if you've got a 34, you must come up with somewhere between 30 and 40 earnings growth, which is exactly what they did. Yeah, they you above that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, when you look at, at the actual results, I and mean, understand the turnover was, was 
very high on the face of it, but they, they added many, many new stores. And turnover on the comparative basis was up 3%, but they had a high base last year on turnover because they were doing all the COVID tests. Mm. So that's now stopped. So that's out of their turnover numbers now. It was actually negatively affected by that turnover number. But look, it's a very good operation, but the share looks it looks expensive. Eh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, this is quite a nice question from a viewer who says, I'm a retail investor with limited exposure to offshore. I'd really would have loved to add LVMH, Hermes and L'Oreal to my portfolio, but I can't buy them due to uh, Easy Equities, which is obviously the platform that they use, being unable to offer us uh, because of French tax, he says. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the, the reason. So my only option in luxury exposure is to buy Burberry and Estee Lauder. Do you think Burberry and Estee Lauder could perform better or in line um, with their French counterparts? David, uh, yeah, it's quite, I suppose that is quite a frustration. I, if, I, if I you think have a, yeah. French tax is a CITES tax or some other tax that everybody worries about. I think the only concern is if you've got some kind of trust in the Jersey, in the Channel Islands, do they get you? There are all kinds of complications, but I'm not quite sure why the person can't buy them. You know, that's, that's, uh, that eludes just, me. Unless they're not offered on the platform, and I don't know if they well, are. Well, it on. could be that they're not offered on the platform, but there are other platforms that uh, do offer it, you know, certainly interactive brokers and a lot of other issues, which are not necessarily local, but you can buy them. I, I wouldn't go Burberry. Burberry's um, can't compare with some of those other luxury businesses as well. Estee Lauder's fine. Estee Lauder and L'Oreal and Estee Lauder continues to expand its brands. And I still think it's, uh, you know, even though I'm anti-China at the moment, and very nervous of them. I still think it's a kind of brand that was universally accepted and will be bought by aspiring young people. You know, they've got some very good, good brands there. So, but um, Burberry, are, Burberry is a difficult one. It, mm. it can't compare with the, with the, uh, with you the, know, the lux other luxury houses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, interestingly, we're looking at the chart of Estee Lauder. It's, it's had a torrid year, um, mm. which is quite interesting in, in a sort of an, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, the, there was the, uh, Estee Lauder himself coined the lipstick index uh, effect. No. You know, if, if you um, are constrained in financially, you'll still buy yourself a lipstick, theoretically, yeah. to make yourself feel good. <laughs> um, and it's sort of not evident in the share price unless maybe the share price just got way ahead of itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, just one quick thing, lockdown in China had a big effect. Okay. You know, when people are locked down, they go, they don't buy lipstick. <laughs> or they don't buy, they, they might buy creams and so on, but they're certainly not buying makeup. And, and, and that, that has had impact on Chinese demand, yeah. Hmm. Um, Wayne, do you... Just remember, that yeah. will go, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, Shapiro's the expert when it comes to <laughs> health and beauty. <laughs> um, Especially on the Birking bags, that's my speciality. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And there were some good numbers from Ferrari today, if you're interested. <laughs> anyway. Um, mm. uh, the viewer doesn't actually mention Richemont. Um, and... Yeah. I wonder, Irene Wayne, what do you think of Richemont? There was a point at which there was a huge wobble in the share price, and you and I thought at that time, geez, actually, I really want to buy myself some Richemont shares. But since then, it's kind of it's still down about a quarter, a sort of twenty-four percent or so for the year. Do you see this improving at all? Do you think Richemont's going to bumble along for for a bit of time? I mean, Richemont's obviously we all know Richemont, and it's a it's a, it's a real quality company, but you know. Going into an economic slowdown with higher interest rates now, I know higher interest rates don't affect 
rich people as much as what it affects not rich people, unrich people. Um, but <laughs> That's it's a not lovely a good time to buy luxury It's not a good time to buy luxury shares. You know, they, they, they will there will be some impact on it. But I mean Richmond's are obviously, as I said, a very, very good company. And um, from a South African perspective, if you I mean, do you take into account just the RAND, the weakness of the RAND? Yes. And because it hasn't really Look, saved Richmond this year, or would, would that rather be the global factors at play, the high interest rates and, and, no. and the fears for Look, luxury goods companies? I mean, the five-year return on Richmond's not bad, but understand if cycles into the future work as I think cycles do work, the RAND over the next three years, two years, will probably strengthen significantly from this level. You know, these are these are the perfect, you know, the current circumstances, high interest rates, high inflation, falling commodity prices and a strong dollar is what makes the rand weak. But that also will, will, will change when interest rates fall and commodity prices go up and inflation falls somewhere in 2024, 2023. Mm. It will benefit the rand. The rand, could, the rand could strengthen quite significantly from this level. Yeah. So, I mean, then, then obviously... You know, you might not want the Richmond in yeah. global exposure. Oh, there are so many things well, to consider. It's a conundrum. <laughs> terrible it's, conundrum. You know, that, that's, that's a conundrum because um, what will drive the RAND stronger will be higher equity markets as well as softer dollar and so on. So the problem is that as the RAND improves, so does the equity market. So you've got the one falling, the other rising. Mm. At what level do you do you meet? You know? and, and I found that, that uh, certainly with clients, it's the RAND that dictates you know, if if we try and explain that, no, no, we want the rand sixteen fifty before we come in or sixteen. It can get there fast, as Wayne says. Believe me, when this turns, this is going to turn at the speed of light, mm. and you'll wake up one day and find, oh, oh, <laughs> you know. Questions seem quite slow tonight, and I wonder if you get the the mood from the market that it, no one really knows what to do at this point. Um, and I, I wonder if I asked you this as well last week. So perhaps I'm just repeating myself. But do you do you get a sense of Ah, everyone's in a bit of a lull. No one really knows what mm, direction mm. to go in. No, it's very difficult to formulate a strategy. I know that this is a time to take advantage of markets, but uh, we don't know. Uh, you know, why should you go into a market that overnight, if 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 Mr. Powell decides to be hawkish and comes out with a statement, uh, you know, on inflation, that the market fall another five, you know, ten percent? We can't call that. And I think this unsettles, uh, you know, unsettles investors. So nobody wants to take any kind of stand. And then there's a worry about what happens, you know, how inflation will affect profits next year and so on. So um, people are feeling indifferent. I think the numbers that we're getting have been superb. And, but the counter argument to that is, well, wait until the next quarter, you know, or wait until the quarter, they're going to be down. So you can't even celebrate good numbers. Mm. You know, I was just saying in the break, I've just been, if you look at Ferrari's numbers, it's quite remarkable that so many people continue to buy Ferraris and that the outlook for the company is still very robust. You know, they've still got a massive audible. So you say, well, I should be buying Ferrari shares. Yes, but it's expensive, you know. <laughs> so, so people are in a very gloomy mm. mood. Yeah, you sort of talk yourself out of anything. Mm. Um, Wayne, mm. uh, the, the one comment I also picked up today was, uh, I think it was the mask, mask. CEO, uh, the, the global shipping group, uh, and they had produced what he called outstanding results. 
but he said all the all the, the he said the the warning signs are flashing dark red for recession. <laughs> he said, oh, okay, yes. here we go. Yeah. Um, and yeah. he said shipping rates are are, are clearly normalizing. Um, I sort of wonder how much um, what import that has for us. I mean, especially in Grindrod shipping, you would have thought, okay, uh, good time to sell them. But of course, they're being bought out. Um, but if yeah. you were looking at any other shipping groups, would that make you feel a bit nervous? Yes, it would. But I mean, this is a normal cycle. You know, I mean, many years ago, we used to, you know, eat, drink and sleep the Baltic dry index. <laughs> but these things are heavily cyclical. And we all know what happened in many industries after the lifting of, uh, of, of COVID. People had cut back capacity so much and all of a sudden there was no capacity. So the rates just went up through the roof, but they will come down again. And, you know, once again, to come back to the theme of a recession, a recession sorts out shipping rates, it sorts out commodity prices, it sorts out wage inflation, all of these things. Mm, yeah, okay. Uh, so, questions. Um, uh, what's the panel's view on the following shares at the current uh, levels? And are you holding them in your portfolio? Mondi, Impala and MTN. Uh, uh, Wayne, sticking with you. Yeah. Look, Mondi's a very good share. I actually really like it at, at this price. The price looks very good value down here. And of course, they on they on the right side of uh, <clears throat> the move to on online because they make more of the speciality type of packaging and that. I mean, they also make the the the, the, the straight um, you know commodity type of packaging. So I think they're very well suited for that. So Mondi, Mondi, I do like Impala. I'll steer a little bit clear at the moment of resource shares. I think there is still some more downside there. And, and we've got to the third one again. I'm um, getting MTN. MTN. I mean, MTN, we all know the risks of MTN. I mean, they've got the share prices performed spectacularly. Um, but we know the risks. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in Nigeria. There could be another fine. There could be another investigation. You just don't know. But but actually, I would, I would buy it. I, I think it's a good share. We don't own MTN. We've got Impala and Mondi. Okay. I mean, David, um, Wayne is right about the share price having performed spectacularly earlier this year and then, you know, it hit above 200 Rand and then it's come all the way back down to 132. So if you'd bought then, you must be feeling very mm. miserable. Well, you can't survive without MTN. You know, no one could survive. You need, you need MTN. And I think the more services they start to add, the better it'll be. I know that there's... You know, I'm going to use uh, Wayne's word as cyclical. It is cyclical, but I mean, it's a solid business. And, uh, you know, without MTN, you can't get your data. You can't make payments and so on. So I, I, I think that as things change, as confidence picks up, so, that, so they'll pick up particularly at these levels. You know, they went sky high and have fallen quite dramatically. Mm. Uh, but I think that as they start to add financial services and uh, various other um, apps, they'll do well. Um, yeah, but you, I mean, you. So, you so there's going to be a time when you buy it. And okay. I think you're very close to the price at these levels. Okay. Because you can use MTN, uh, mm. but it doesn't mean that you have to buy them. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Oh, no, that's, that's the point. But I mean, <laughs> the more people that have to use them, the more money they're going to pay, and the more you will have to buy them sooner or later. Mm. So it's, but I think it's starting to look at a level that's very attractive. And we can say that for the whole market. All we need is the confidence shift. Um, I'm, I, I, when you start to look at businesses, you can see that they start to make forming a, a, a kind of base, which I think will hold. 
That's why I say we go into this dreary market of going sideways. But that's not bad in a way because you start to form a base. You know, you start to form a sticky base there uh, 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 below which I don't think it will fall. Yeah, okay. So, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get a turnaround very, very fast. None. Um, the, uh, there's another viewer who has sent a, a question on the following levels, City Lodge, Sassel and Transaction Capital. I feel like we've spoken about City Lodge and Sassel mm. quite a lot, but mm. we haven't uh, mentioned Transaction Capital recently. Wayne, this was, uh, I, well, I think both of you have picked mm. this in the, in the past. Yeah. Obviously, they've come off with the rest of the market, but, um, and I think their results are coming out next week, maybe. Um, what, do you expect good things from them? Look, at this price, I would buy Transaction Capital. It's, it's a great company. They've done good diversification. They know exactly what they're doing both here and, and over in, 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 in Australia. It's a really good business. And, you know, as you said, the share price has come off a little bit. It's still, you know, it's still got a fairly good rating on the market. Yeah. So this isn't bargain basement stuff, but I would actually buy at, at this level. I mean, David, if you talk about sticky bases, and, and so we've got a five-year chart of transaction capital up on the screen now, and it shows you its trajectory and, and the huge drop-off uh, related to COVID, which 2020, and then that incredible climb higher, because it really just did unbelievably. But, you know, coming down from, say, 55 to just under 40 rand isn't catastrophic, and it seems to be forming a base there, which seems to mm. suggest that that's kind of maybe... The level at which you could capitalize. Yeah. I, I think the only thing that I question is that every man and his dog is now going to start selling second-hand cars. <laughs> you know, on every street corner, there's a lot opening selling second-hand cars, and uh, um, you know, even Carew's gone into it, and so on. And I'm just worried that there might be a little bit of competition forming for it. It's a very strong business. Hmm. You know, both their businesses are extremely strong. So it's just watching what happens with the competition. Uh, increasing whether or not it's going to um, play on there. Also, remember you're going into interest rates are going high, the petrol price has been high, so that's got to start telling on some yeah. of the margins. Yeah. But, I, but so far there's nothing, nothing has been released. We don't know anything that should set it back. And the price, the price action now is saying that things are going to be good. You know, the fact that it's bounced and moving up. Yeah, uh, you know, it does suggest that uh, good, better results are coming or good results are coming. Yeah, okay. There's a question I'm asking, um, uh, could you ask the panel which international ETFs they would recommend to complement my offshore equity portfolios, which are invested in high-quality international stocks? It would appear that most fund managers have not outperformed the MSCI world um, and some other ETFs. So uh, is that just an obvious addition, uh, Wayne? Or would you pick some others? Look, I mean, just on the story of ETFs, you know, half the people in the world have below average intelligence. <laughs> intelligence. In other words, half the fund managers will underperform the index because the index is the sum total of the of all the assets. <laughs> you know, so yeah. So, but but I would I would add a US I would add a US tech tracker or a Nasdaq tracker. I think these tech shares are are, are, are cheap. David, if you had to pick an ETF, and, and honestly, there are thousands of ETFs to pick. So Yeah, you can't. There, there's so many. In fact, they probably exceed the number of shares that are listed on the market with all their combinations. But, but uh, if, you've got a, if you've already got a portfolio of shares and you just want to steady it and you want to get a – because you're going to get market. <laughs> you know, that's, you're going to get a market return by definition. 
So, uh, but I like, I think the tech uh, NASDAQ has been sold down. I still think it uh, has wonderful businesses in it. So it's, it's, you can get that plus the S&P. I still think those are the two markets that are going to lead us out of where we are at the moment. Mm, into the promised land. And just very quickly before, the... <laughs> before I get to your stock picks, um, there's a question on, um, I just want to, ask, want to ask David whether he's been watching Sunlum and if so, what does he think about it? And also to Wayne, what does he think about Afrocentric? But I don't know, Wayne, if you look at Afrocentric. But David, Sunlum? Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's cheap. <laughs> it's very, very cheap. For a brand like that, you know, for, with, with the uh, embedded uh, um, what could you say, businesses that they have. You can't recreate a Sunlum overnight. It's taken 100 years and plus to get where they are. So again, I think you just have to wait for conditions to, mm. to improve here. You'll do well. Um, it's, it's what we've been talking about. It's at a very cheap price, but the market is sticky at the moment. It's gloomy. You don't have to go in there. But I think when, when things start to improve, you're going to find a very fast turnaround in in a lot of those financial services businesses. Yeah, let's hope so. Wayne, do you look at Afrocentric at all? Yeah, but look, at this is a relatively small company. It, I must say that it, it looks cheap enough. It's a, it's, a, it's a good business. I mean, the underlying business is, uh, I, I think, is a good business. The dividend yield is very, very high. But the shares volatile, and it's just, you know, in the very recent past, spiked up quite dramatically. Uh, but isn't that on, wasn't that on an offer from Sunlum? If I'm mm. or rumors, I don't know if there was an offer. Or was it? Rumors? I don't think there was an offer. Yeah, I think it was rumors of an offer. No, and it's, they were it's very, no. What, was it, was it a firm offer? Yeah, it's going to take a controlling statement. Oh, it is an offer. Sorry, you are you are one hundred percent correct. My my apologies. There was an offer on it. Um, look, if there's an offer, I remember now. If there's an offer out, buy 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 anyone in a company. It's more of an arbitrage than anything else. Mm. I mean, I don't think it's delisting. So maybe the expectation would be that, okay, well, maybe they might, might take it entirely private. Anyway. Um, it, 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 opens, it opens them up very easily for entry into medical aid or to the medical area, health area. It's a small business for some. I think the total market cap, Wayne, what's it, about $3 billion? I haven't it's got it. It's about $3 billion, yeah. yeah. That's nothing relative to, to Sunlum's 100 plus billion. Yeah. So uh, I, don't, I don't know why the market got twitchy. Sorry, I was away. When this happened, I didn't pick, the, you know, I didn't see the, the, the firm offer. No problem. But I mean, it, okay. it makes sense. Okay. And I've left you about go. 30 seconds between the two of you for your stock picks. I apologize. So just fire them at us. Wait. Okay. Very quickly, Comcast, theme parks are doing well. Results are better than expectations. They've got a new business venture going that might chew a little bit of cash, but it looks down share price from the peak is down 50 percent management are buying shares like crazy in share buybacks they got obviously got the money to do that and it's it's, it's really the, the tech type of theme they are looking cheap mm. david very quickly nova nordisk uh, a danish pharmaceutical obesity drugs and uh, um, diabetes drugs but had superb results and I was looking at it today. Over 10 years, it's outperformed the S&P. And you haven't got any 
European pharmaceutical companies that have done that. So very good numbers out today. And actually staggering to see how well it's done this year alone. I mean, in contrast mm. to just about mm. everything else mm. in the market. Um, okay, well, we shall leave it there. David Wayne, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Nice to chat to you both, as always. Uh, David Shapiro is from Sassam Securities. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. And Zanati is back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Do you have a good evening.